You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello, welcome to Series 9, episode 57 of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm good, John, and I'm hosting tonight. And we've got guests, F Bomb John and Chris Regals. How are you doing? Hello. Good. Oh, oh, I'm guest now, as opposed to host. Well, it's usually me, it's a guest. I know, but remember, I remember we said earlier in the season as well, we weren't going to have host, but then I think I just ended up falling back into the role of host. Yeah, maybe you should fall back into it now, because clearly you're the more designed Take two yeah. I definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be the nervous one tonight, because you, like, you're nervous when you host, I'm nervous when I'm a guest, because I have to maybe yeah. think a wee bit more. Aye, definitely. Now, we do have a, another special guest tonight, um, editor of Famous Tartan Magazine, Ian Emerson. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing really good, thank you. How are you how's yourself? Aye, good. How are you coping with lockdown? How am I coping with it? Well, I've got a Bacardi and Diet Coke in my hand, so, and it's, <laughs> what night's this? A Thursday, so that's how I'm coping with it. Yes. Oh, yeah, I've got a wee, couple of wee beers on the go. <laughs> good. Save the matter for later on when we talk about your own night <laughs> oh yeah, need it for that. <laughs> Obviously, well, that's yeah. Well, we're we're leading nicely on because, um, as Ian points out, this is Thursday, so it's another throwback Thursday special. And as John's alluded to, we're talking about European Championships that Scotland participated in, the two of them. First one in 1992 in Sweden. Um, and my drink of choice tonight is a Swedish cider, Copperberg. Oh, yeah, very nice. And I've gone for a a, a, a nice pair from uh, Denmark, and it's this pair. It's no any other pair from Denmark, <laughs> like the Lujups or something like that. Well, one Lujup doesn't sure, make it. I'm sure you're thinking of a different pair, but you're probably thinking different <laughs> pairs. Maybe even pairs on the beach. <laughs> well, one Lujup was in the beach on your too. Michael. <laughs> Uh, aye. Michael chose to stay at home. He says, no way I'm going to the, the Euros. Um, not when we're not going to do anything. Well, we'll talk about that later, how that went. Um, but yeah, so Scotland made history by reaching the first ever European Championship finals. Um, it's quite impressive when you think about the fact that only eight teams qualified at that point and we managed to do it, something that better squads of previous years didn't do. Well, certainly an eight-team tournament. What we will say, though, is that there were only 30 nations um, attempting to qualify at the time before Yugoslavia broke up, Czechoslovakia broke up, and well, Russia eventually broke up, and they entered the tournament as the CIS. We were given a bit of a tough draw. Just a bit, group um, of death. <laughs> Even qualifying wasn't great, because we had the, the Romanians in our group who were, uh, they were the bottom of the top seeds, but they were still, like, had a decent night, uh, Italian ninety, and uh, there was obviously the Swiss and the Romanians, and well, the Romanians and the Bulgarians, and then everybody was scalping San Marino. Uh, but I, I mean, it was a very tight finish to the top of that group. But like you say, we made it, finished top of it. Got um, <laughs> so they gave us both finalists from the previous tournament in '88, where it was the the, the Soviet Union lost it to the Netherlands, uh, and just to add a wee bit more to that, they had the newly caught. Uh, Crowned world champions in well, what was now unified Germany. So, I easy group to learn. Aye. Folk tried to say as well it was an aging Holland 
and he's in the Netherlands, but they were still full of world class players. Some well, team. I wish I, uh, I wish we had an age an aging uh, team that had Van Basten, Bergkamp, Hula. You know what I mean? The players yeah. were out, outstanding in that team. We had Rijkaard, Rijkaard, Hula and Van Basten, who were all playing for AC Milan, one of the dominant sides in Europe at the time. Bergkamp was an emerging talent at the time, and you could see that he was going to go places. And and yeah, they were just uh, just a terrific team. And yeah, that that first game in Gothenburg, um, scene of a famous Scottish triumph um, in in Europe. But we won't go on about that because we're talking about international football. We could go on about Um, it. Maybe good. We actually yeah, never spoke about it much in the 17th and 8th, to be fair. Like, we're all good. Yeah, but um, before we even go into the the games, interesting squad numbers that Andy Roxburgh did, because apart from the goalkeepers, it was based on number of caps. So you had, well, Richard Goff number two is not so bad, because um, he played it right back at times. But Dave McPherson, number eight, Stuart McKimmy, number nine, Alan McCoy, number five, Paul McStay, number three. Yeah, and the other thing is there was only 20 players in the squad back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were kind of cutting it fine in terms of subs. Mm-hmm. Or if folk get injured. I would imagine, I can't remember, but I would imagine if a goalie get injured, you could bring in a replacement. Because otherwise you're going to end up in a situation whereby you've got Dave McPherson in goal or something like that. I think I think most of the teams had a spare goalie in that 20. Aye, they did. They had, no, but most of them had two. So yeah. if one get injured, then you know what a replacement. Aye. We had Henry oh, Smith. Aye, we had Henry Smith, but if uh, Mandy Gorham get injured and then Henry Smith get injured or sent off, then you're looking at a Dave person. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, see that regarding the numbers for the squad, was that for one tournament only then? Was, it, was that the only time this ha- ever happened? Or? It's not it from a Scotland perspective, yeah. Well, I can't remember. Um, that, was it the same in Italian 90? So, no, I like the police were two in that tournament, which was kind of bizarre, but then. Mo Johnson had seven and Ali McCoy had nine. Aye, uh, maybe it was me then. Um, but no, I can't remember. Um, what I do remember is that we gave Holland a pretty good account of him ourselves in that match. Um, they had a couple of good chances in the first half, but we probably had the best one. The one that fell, unfortunately, to Dave McPherson. He had a decent tournament as, um, as a defender, but he's not the man that you want a chance fountain inside the area with a chance on goal. But at least he was coming up into the box and yeah. you know that was really great to see that. I, I, I watched the games in the BBC Scotland like, on last week or the week before. Um, and I, some of the players played absolutely fantastic and I kind of forget about him. I kind of forget about first and how well he played for Scotland. I thought he played really well in the games that I watched anyway. Um, and it was good to see Scotland throwing caution to the wind as well and having a go at these teams. That's what I liked about the that because remember that time we were getting criticised quite a lot for being kind of not having a go enough. And I, looking back, I think we did have a go. Um, did not bad, especially in the third game, obviously, which we'll come on to. But we're fairly composed on the ball in that tournament as well. When you looked at it, like, we, like with the formation we were playing, we we're asking guys to play in wee bit of position, like McLean and. Jury, I know maybe Jury played at times out wide, but he was more natural at playing up front. Um, but I, we played pretty well. You had obviously McAllister and McStay composed really good on the ball. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know. McCall, who I, I think was great for Scotland. Yeah. Really, you ever see McCall had a bad game? Um, yeah. And then in the His, back, Richard Goff. He was outstanding. Terrific leader. 
Graham, he was probably, he must have been up there with the best centre-backs in Europe at the time, I think. Yeah. He, um, he he was actually outstanding watching his games and, and you know, and, and just, as you said, McCall, see the McCall's work rate was outstanding and, and obviously Paul McStay just, it's like a different class and watching it back, it's funny watching it back years on, we didn't appreciate how good, because we didn't, you know, we threw, didn't appreciate how good we were actually playing in these days. Aye, but prior as well, we were that used to go to tournaments. Sorry, what was that? We were that used to go to tournaments. Oh yeah, I know, spoiled rotten. Because we'd had, what, <laughs> five World Cups, well, around that time, obviously, from sports. Yeah, I know. We were at five World Cups, three break in 94, and then 98, we were back there, but getting to yours and folk used to criticise Roxburgh has been a bad manager, bad coach. Yeah, he got, that just now. he got a lot of bad press, and if you look at that, and then if you look at the '92 with Brown alongside him, everybody was criticising them because I don't know the teachers or something like that. And looking back, I thought well, actually these games against top, top, the best opposition you could face, we played outstanding, especially obviously the last game we got the result. Um, the, the, there's, I think there's a lot gets made of the fact that well, obviously we didn't qualify for World Cup in '94, which was. <clears throat> A shock to our system, given we qualified for everything in '74. Um, yeah. But I think there was a lot of mitigating circumstances in that campaign. Hamden was under reconstruction, so we were all over the place with the games, and uh, we came up against a really good Portugal team, uh, team in that qualifying as well. And it just it was it was the end for Rockstar, sadly. Um, but is it the taxi driver's fault? It was the taxi driver's fault for getting <laughs> false information. <laughs> <laughs> what, was was that story? what was that? The taxi driver. No, remember, like supposedly they get their tactics off a. Uh, a taxi driver in terms of how Portugal would play. <laughs> that was the story. Obviously, it was brought in up in Yeah. Um, but aye, it was a good Portugal team, and they still didn't make USA '94 because it was actually in uh, Switzerland who made out our group that yeah. year. Um, but I mean, I remember the criticism the, the team got after Italian '90 because obviously we lost to Costa Rica, um, and oh, yeah. the first game of that year of qualifying that. Chris Lutz's on was against Romania. It was um, there was some like twelve or thirteen thousand went that game because it was on the TV as well. But there was a lot of apathy because of the um, some of the things that had been going on, like Jim Bet had a fallout and a few things like that. But you know they turned it around and got to the finals. And you know Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown will go on record as the two best Scotland managers. Certainly Craig Brown's case, well, that's true. But Roxburgh went very well in that tournament. The I know, and you think maybe was it just the press that slagged uh, Andy Roxburgh? I wonder what the players thought of Roxburgh. That's what I sometimes wonder. Um, I interviewed Mo Johnson when he was with Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls, and I I don't know the whole story with Mo Johnson in Scotland, and I'm sure he fell out. He was, I'm sure he was out partying and drinking and all the rest of it. And I was surprised when he rated Andy Roxburgh really highly. Um, I was kind of surprised at that. I just kind of thought you wouldn't see him in that kind of. Yeah, I was just surprised that he's mentioned that. Probably could you hear about all the things in the paper. But I wonder if the players actually really did respect them as managers. I think results probably show that they have respect for him. A good team spirit, then that definitely helps. I mean, I think there was a bit of consistency as well towards the squad. I yeah. think you knew if you were you were in or out kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which obviously helps a wee bit. You look at the results he had in major tournaments, 
we underestimated Costa Rica. I think we all agree with that. That's that was the the major disappointment. But then you look at the other five results they had. They beat Sweden. That was a decent Sweden team. They were narrowly defeated by a Brazil team in the the final game in the Italian night. And then we went to this tournament. We were overwhelmingly the underdogs, and and we went toe to toe with the reigning champions, um, and only lost out in the last quarter of an hour. Um, we gave a good account of ourselves against the world champions as well, and then we stuffed the CIS. Yeah, yeah. The frustrating thing against a terrific record. The yeah. thing against Germany was the chances that we had. We should have been yeah. maybe one or two up. And typical Scotland, we never took the chances. And then Carl Henry thought be a bit of difference from him. The second goal was just a fluke. Aye. Um, the thing I remember about that German team is the midfield just had pure swagger in it with Salah, Effenberg, and Moller. Just pure, typical German swagger. Like they knew they were strutting about confident like peacocks. Right, good team. Hessler was really good in that too. I remember he scored an absolute peach of a free kick against the CIS in the first game, which dug them out of hole and got them a point. Um, I think he scored a free kick in the semi final as well. But um, yeah, the Germans had a good side, but we created a lot of chances. And again, probably the best chance of the first half, unfortunately, fell to McPherson underneath the crossbar and he puts it over. If that's an Alan McCoy, so barely get a sniff in that tournament. Uh, he didn't have his best tournament, McCoy, unfortunately, but um, I don't think. I think he was marked very well out of the games because he's the top scorer in Europe at that point, remember? Yeah, I think as well, he was getting asked a lot to play through the middle by himself because he brought us to put Jury and McLeod out wide. So he wasn't getting much support, I think, um, which didn't help. Well, he used to play by two with, with Rangers. And Nevin came on in the CIS game and he played well the bit when he came on. and Yeah. Uh, he, he created the third goal and the, the one was a penalty. Yeah. yeah, so he can run it. He had a really good turn. And then uh, we had uh, Gary McAllister score a penalty in 92, which unfortunately, as I come on to later, yeah. didn't happen in the following two following Euros. Yeah. That's because Yuri Geller was watching that tournament. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> was Yuri Geller not sw- where did he, was he from Israel? Yeah. yeah. He's a man that used to bend the spoons and. Yeah, all that. No, no, I remember, I was just trying to think where he was from, but I was Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the, the first game, I mean, the the goal that won it for Holland came from that Milan trio who hit with a cross from Basin Factor and Rijkaard then nods it across and yeah, can't finish it. And that's when he, as we spoke about before, um, we started to come into prominence. And, you know, we only had the World Champions in it. And again, we've put in a, a good performance, stuck with the same team. And the played well, it's just so unlike I've not played well in goal for Germany that day as well. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't to be. But um, the, chat, think, the, the main given, chat that was coming given first, how we played the first two games, it was it was very much. I think we probably deserved to lose to the Netherlands. They were we gave a good account of ourselves, but we were beaten by a better team that day. Yeah, we I don't really have much of a problem with that one. The German one is frustrating though because the, the Germans for this entire tournament seemed a little bit off. They, they weren't quite clicking the way they would usually click. Um, and obviously had that late equaliser looking against the CIS and then they played us and we had the better chances and that's I, I, really, do, I really do believe we did if we, if we taken them we would have won that game but it was the the, the second goal was a freak goal um, but the the, the, the one's a bit of a class I'll get them up but we had so many chances and I think we should have won it I, I, to lose it to it it was almost remarkable 
It was at that, that point that they'd, they'd merged. Yeah, yeah. So they, I wonder whether maybe there was a... 1990, they merged or 89. So maybe there was a political, uh, maybe... Because yeah. was there many... I'm trying to think if there was many East German players in the squad. They, they still played at Italian 90 as West Germany. Um, although they were te- although technically Germany had, had united by that point. Um, but but that, this was a first tournament proper as uh, being back as Germany again. Because so. uh, Andy Tom, he was... Um, he played in the, the final when he came on that one. Um, no, East German. He was obviously an East German, yeah. Uh, I think Thomas Dahl as well. I don't know if there was many East Germans in the squad, but... Mm-hmm. Or whether it was just a team that was ageing and we just needed a wee bit of new players brought in. Maybe, but... Um, no, they did what they had to do in Germany to get through games. They weren't great in the last, their last game against Holland. Holland absolutely destroyed them in 3-1, but... Um, luckily for them, we did them a favour um, by pumping the CIS C0. And I must say, there was times in that game where CIS, the CIS had a couple of chances. Ming Gorham making a couple of good saves. They should have hit a penalty. I don't know if you saw that back. The indirect free kick that was given. Aye, an indirect free kick. <laughs> Bizarre. So all the luck that we didn't have in the first two games game came in the last game. Yeah, I think those CIS thought they were. Oh, we got that. Well, you, see, you, you seen the luck right at the first goal as well, because in the other two games, if McStay hits that one, I suppose, and goes it. As it is, McStay hits it. I suppose comes back, hits carry in the back of the head, and goes in. I don't know how this is listed as a McStay goal. I've never understood that. It's a carry, no G. <laughs> yeah, then I always remember carrying. He must have been about the smallest goalkeeper in world football. He wasn't very big, was he? Didn't look like he should be a goalie. Just I always me. thought he was an overrated goalkeeper as well, Karim. I mean, I know he got moved to Chelsea not long after that, and then became a squad filler at Celtic a few years later. Um, never really rated him as a goalkeeper. Oh. He couldn't do much with the second goal. Brian McClare, who really underachieved in the Scotland jersey, Martin for years, scores his first goal after 26 appearances. I even that was fortunate with the deflection. Aye, very. Mm-hmm. The real link as well with the, obviously the, the CIS team because you had the likes of. Uh, Kuznetsov and Mikhailchenko. Yeah. I think the story was that they see, I don't know. I must have read this somewhere, but McCoy seen them before on the bus, and the uh, Kuznetsov and Mikhailchenko did a bottle of champagne as if they were ready to celebrate getting through to the the knockout stages. Yeah. And they were like, "It's got him tomorrow, all right." And then after that, uh, McCoy seen them again, and they were like, "They were on the beers," and they were like, "Oh, I can beat that bottle of champagne." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny actually because there was obviously they two um, were at Rangers at the time in this game and then later on uh, Kinchevsky was also played in this game he went to Rangers and as I mentioned Karim uh, ended up being a, a bit of a squad player for Celtic so um, there was a few players in the, the CIS team that were uh, t- either in Scottish football or would be coming to Scottish football a little bit so it's not as if it was a bad CIS team I mean, obviously the political upheaval probably uh, threw them off a bit with because uh, I think the CIS was technically the Soviet Union without the Balkans, uh, the Baltic states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did that actually stand for? Commonwealth of Independent States. That's right. I, yes, you know, of Independent I, states. Interesting. I was watching the, 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 that rerun earlier, and their national anthem, they actually uh, it was actually like, "Ode to Joy," which was of the BBC theme tune for both. This Euro's and Euro 96 as well, which I thought was quite bizarre. 
Aye, we were Scotland the Brave, but Scotland the Brave back then, weren't we? Yeah, um, no words. Yeah. The fans are the good times, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> the players are all like, what? I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the words of Scotland the Brave. Hark when the night is calling. What's I that good? <laughs> I won't, I won't, mate. I won't sing it to you. I do that because you know, one verse. We're recording, we should say we're recording this in Zoom, you won't see the audio, but if you were to see it, we've got Rod Stewart on the podcast. It's not a... Uh... Oh, oh, Leola. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to bring the World Cup back from over there. <laughs> well, at least Scotland the Brave was better than we used to sing. At least with the Scotland fans and Scotland the Brave, we just sang up, well, sort of just danced along to it and... Before that was God Save the Queen and everyone used to boo it. Mm. So, so at least well, now everyone's singing. At least we've got an anthem that people sing to now. Yeah. yeah. I like Flower of Scotland. I remember there was calls to change it and all that. I think some folk would still like to change it. I like it. I think we've got a packed hand in Flower of Scotland. It's brilliant. Yeah. I think uh, so. see when you get the, like the, you do the first verse with the, whoever's part of the band um, and then when you drop that off and just let the fans sing that's, but, like, that, that's the best but just yes. let the fans uh-huh. sing definitely fancy, that's when you get the atmosphere that's something they've done right recently they've just went back to the piper and um, letting mm-hmm. the fans sing it um, I think they have um, someone doing the, the sign language for it um, for the deaf which is really good because for years I mean I liked it when Ronnie Brown sang it you know, <laughs> it's great passion come on <laughs> yeah. but saving your heads some of these other ones that just was Amy McDonald was actually all right. She was all right, yeah. She was actually all right. Right. It was, um, I think it was, if they do it in time, it helps. Oh, yeah, always at big tournaments, it's it's never in time in the music, is it? Yeah, and everyone's like, it's sync and all that, and it's a bit, oh, no. But when it's all done at the right time, and especially like a full hand, and yeah, it can be pretty good. So, as you, um, Pointed in the group chat, Chris, um, Scotland actually finished fifth out of the eight teams in that tournament, statistically. Yeah, because we, we, we were uh, the only team that didn't make it through to the semi-finals that won a game. Yeah. Um, and because we lost 1-0 and 2-0 and then cancelled that uh, out of the goal difference by winning 3-0, uh, we were also the only team that didn't qualify for the semi-finals that had a non-negative goal difference. So I, yeah. um, because obviously CIS finished below we, us, and over in the other group, uh, both France and England, although they did pick up two draws, both had a, a negative one goal difference. So, Which was yeah. a surprise, because they were probably the two favourites for that group as well, even though Sweden were the hosts. I mean, Aye, so Sweden being the hosts definitely took it the, the home advantage. Um, with their, they had a one each draw against France to start with. Um, they beat their neighbours, the Danes, uh, one now in the second game, and then beat England in the last game. So did they, they went on to finish, was it not, not going to finish third in the World Cup? 94? Yeah, they did. They did, eh? Because um, I remember Sweden, it must have been during the tournament, I must have got it, but the Sweden top, I love the top, I ended up buying it in a shop up in, I think, out, out Partick way. I don't know how I found it, or whether I was even looking for the top, but I remember it being in the window and went, oh, I'm buying that. I never had the Scotland top for some reason, but I ended up buying a Sweden top for that tournament. Good team. Brolin, mm-hmm. I love Thomas Brolin as a player. thought he was terrific. Baby-faced assassin. Uh, him and Martin Dahl up front, and you had Kenneth Anderson as well. Right, like good options up front. Jonas Dahl in midfield. Again, our connection with, with Rangers in Bjorkland. Mm-hmm. Aye. As well. Bjorkland as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Thomas Brolin's goal against England was 
arguably the best of two. And, um, it's easy for us to say that you no know, way being against England, but I just thought the move up to and then the finish with Outsiders right foot was just class. And yeah. a game that's probably best remembered for Gary Lineker in what turned out was last at a national game, hauled off by Graham Taylor for Alan Smith. I don't think it was... win the game. <laughs> yeah. I don't really remember it being a great goal for tournaments. 92. No. There wasn't many. There's a couple of Hessler free kicks in that one for Brawling. Yeah. Although John Jensen's in the final. Um, Aye. And that was probably more remarkable because every time he saw him hit a shot for Arsenal it was um, going over the North Bank. Yeah, was that not his first goal for, uh, for Denmark? I think in the final. What a time to score it. And then obviously, have we even touched on that, that fact that you know, we have? I we touched on the fact, was that before or during the podcast? Well, I was at the start when we were talking about Dutch Bears and off the beach to win it. Aye, Michael Loudrop, yeah. Because what obviously what happened yeah, was. Let me go, Chris. No, I was going to say, obviously, we played against the CIS because there was a turmoil in the Soviet Union, as it had been. Um, not quite as bad as the turmoil that was in Yugoslavia, who were at war with each other. Um, so they were they had won the, the group that uh, Denmark had been in. Uh, Denmark obviously finished in second. Uh, and because of the, the war, they were toughed out by UEFA. So Denmark, well, I think it was a couple of weeks before the tournament days. started that Denmark yeah. recalled. So they were, they were done. They were on holiday. So as we, as, as we jokingly said, Michael was elected to stay at the beach. He literally did. Um, I want, you, you do wonder if Brian winds him up a bit. Good, good, John. You are going to do a, a, trivia, a trivia quiz. I've got a quick question, see if any of you remember. Who was the player for Denmark that had the same name as a player that played in Scotland? Henrik Larsson. Oh, yeah. Was top goal yes. scorer. Larsson, he was a top scorer. <laughs> Different spelling. Yes. yes. Cool. Yeah, that was um, that was an incredible achievement for Denmark. Because um, they were written off completely. You know, they were just there to make up the numbers, um, and they end up winning the thing. It's I know. it's just remarkable. Peter Schmeichel was incredible that turn. Yeah, was it the same from Van Basten and the mm-hmm. semi? Yeah, it made a great save from Klinsmann in the final as well. See, people still say that the goalkeeper top he won the final. Um, <laughs> It was the Hummel bright lights one that was like multicolours, and people associate that top with um, with with those finals. But it was actually first worn by John Martin the Scottish Cup final in 1992. There you go. That would have been a better trivia question than mine. As soon as you got it straight away, I don't think we would have got that. Uh, it's, it's funny. It feels like a topsy turvy tournament. This one, because as, as you said, like the the other group that the, the host Sweden and stuff like England had been the semi finalists in the World Cup two years previous and finished bottom of the group. Um, like you, you said, like Denmark were the the team that probably were, were straight off a beach and didn't stand a chance and yet managed to finish second in the group. And then Germany finished second in our group, and yet they're the two teams that made the final because both group winners lost in the semi. What was your other recollections of the tournament? Ian? Van Basten missed a penalty. This is this was the other shock. Is, is that Van Basten, who uh, four years previous scored the greatest goal ever scored in a tournament and <laughs> uh, the final, um, was was the man that uh, missed a penalty for the Netherlands against Denmark in the semi. So yeah, hi, it was the top of the tournament. Ian, what was your other memories of the tournament? 
C92, I can't remember a lot about it. <laughs> I don't know what was happening in my life at that time. As I said to you earlier on... Too much Bacardi. Too much Bacardi. Yeah, too much Bacardi. <laughs> but I can remember, like, as, as I am probably, despite my Oil of Yule use every day, a bit older than news, and I remember the, my first World Cup, 1970, um, watching that, and I can remember all that, and Billy Bremner just missing against Brazil. And I tell you, 92... I don't know what was happening in my life at the time, but, you know, until, until these games were on just recently, I can't remember much about it at all. It's maybe the fact as well there were so few games where there only been eight teams, whereas, like, nowadays yeah. the tournaments, you get properly invested in them because there's so many games and yeah. it's constant, whereas yeah, in that tournament... Well, we were start, out with them since Yeah. The World, right. the World Cup was still the biggie at that time, you know, like the World Cup, but, you know, the Euro yeah. Championships have come right, right up big time now. Um, so, I'm putting that, maybe that down as well. It couldn't have been the Bacardi because I think you never used to drink Bacardi in 1992. So, <laughs> I don't know. Must have been the beer. The beer. Yeah, so, um, well, as John said there, it was, it was six days that took place for us. We, we played the Netherlands on the 12th of June. Uh, it was the 15th of June that we played the Germans and the 18th of June that we played GIS. So, that was us. A week done. <laughs> yeah, but we, we lasted longer than England, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I home Which before, we can't say often. Yeah, that's good. Right, and we finished ahead of England, as Chris obviously um, pointed out. Um, I, I, I do like to point out we were the first best team in Europe in 1993. Here's a quick, here's a quick trivia for you. I've not actually written a list of questions, but um, you'll be pleased to know. But I do have this one. Which, um, which Saturday soccer TV show had its last um, episode during those tournaments? St. Greaves, eh? Yep. Really? Because, yeah. Because the, la- the last um, the the last act on it um, as they were as they were ending they were in they were in this um, pedal car or whatever it was um, and they were singing this could be the last time because obviously ITV lost the rights of um, the English top division because the Premier League was coming into for information and Sky got the rights. Yeah. That was last of Saint and Greasy. Yeah. Well, they, they did they did get another program because they were talking about the English League as if it was important. <laughs> yes. And there's your link to fantasy football and your link to Euro 96 right there. <laughs> yes, yes, football came home. Mm-hmm. Who's the starter then? <laughs> I mean, I've got a bit of a deal beard on here just now. Uh, <laughs> right. None of us have got a house coat on, so. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't have the kitchen end. <laughs> Remember that? House coat. You call that house coat as well? No, I can't address and give another house in house coat. <laughs> I wonder what you're talking about. House coat. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> house coat. So, yes, um, you're in at six. Um, so, Craig Brown, by this point, is in charge. And I was actually speaking to him for the Tatnam magazine, which um, so his words was a, a good article, which will be out in a few months, I think. Um, and so his remit for for your next six qualifying is simple qualify. We cannot there cannot be a finals in England and Scotland not being there. Um, pretty, not an easy group because we had Russia who were at the World Cup, Greece who were at the World Cup, um, Finland were not a bad side. Had Jerry Lippmann in at the time who went on to win the Champions League that year with Ajax and Ferrers and San Marino, but we did very well and we got there. Mm-hmm. Mainly thanks to that victory over Greece at Hamden. 
Yeah, that, that was a good uh, result against Greece because uh, one of my abiding memories of this qualifying tournament, other than the fact that I managed to go to the San Marino game right at the end of it, um, was the fact that we played Greece, uh, lost 1-0, and I will remember this to my dying day, that Craig Brown's response to us was 1-0 that day was, ah, we got more corners than they did. Oh, yeah. See, at primary school, we used to have like a football tournament. It was like a wee tournament. And see if the game was a draw. Whoever had the most corners was the team that won it. But the stranger thing was, you never even got to hit the corner. So it just only if it, if it deflected up one of their players, it was classed as a corner, but you never, never even got to take the corner. Weird system. And I think actually Andy Rochford maybe actually was a, a coach, a teacher at my school before I was there. I think, yeah. But yeah, maybe just on a wee tangent. <laughs> I mean, other than that Greece defeat, um, this was a pretty good qualifying tournament for us. Um, the only games that we didn't win, other than the aforementioned Greece game, were the two against Russia. And they, they topped the group, three points ahead of us. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, a nil-nil draw in Russia and a one-each draw at Hamden. No, not Hamden. Hamden. Is this, after, I can't remember. After that Greece, after that Greece defeat, um, we in our last six games we didn't concede a goal. Yeah. Yeah. We had some new players as well. One yeah. Henry had come in and scored Calderwood. Yeah. Defence. And then our two top goal scorers as well were new to the the group, Scott Booth and John Collins. Mm-hmm. So they probably never lost many goals in the qualifiers then. San Marino five 0 Finland one 0 Greece one 0 Trying to think. So Russia scored against us. Right, so with a 2 0 win against Finland, followed by a 5 1 against the Pharaohs. Uh, the 1 each draw against Russia at Hamden, uh, then the 1 0 defeat to Greece. Uh, then a 1 each in Russia, the 2 0 away to San Marino, uh, a 2 0 away to the Pharaohs, a 1 0 home to Greece, a 1 0 home to Finland. Finland, 5 0 San Marino. 5 0 San Marino, yeah. Well, I, say, I, I was at the San Marino game and th- th- this is going back to what I said earlier about the, the World Cup 94 qualifying that we were all over the place well uh, the qualifying games was this was kind of during but not quite finished uh, Hamden mm-hmm. period because my memory of going to Hamden for that game is that I stood in the Rangers end because I had they, had, they hadn't put seats in yet I'm not sure how we got away with that because I think they had to have ever seated by that point but I distinctly remember standing in the Rangers end. And then, because after this, we, we, we went back on the road again, from what I remember, I think, in the, the, the qualify for France 98, we had a few different yeah. venues, you know. Yeah. Did you enjoy standing there at the Scotland game? Or did you... <sighs> See, my, my first football match was standing at Hamden Park. Um, so, like, I, to this day, I still miss it. Um, I don't... I, well, it's a Scotland game, so it doesn't matter whether it's Celtic end or the Rangers end or whatever. It's, just, it's a Scotland end at that point. So, yeah. Um, I, 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 I went anywhere. It was good to be at the game, good to stand. I used to love standing at Scotland games, and it used to be when the, the Rangers end was covered, so that was the end where all the singing was coming from. So it kind of tended to go on that side, and yeah, the atmosphere was great. It was really good. I, I loved it with the standing. Um, I think it depended on where I was like, really. <laughs> Because yeah. my first game was uh, the, 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 the pre-tournament friendly against Poland in 1990. 
Um, and I stood at the Celtic end in blazing sunshine. It was great. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, we came through very well um, in that qualifying group. Finishing semi in Russia was certainly um, pretty decent. And we were third season in that group, remember. So, qualif- so we managed to get um, qualified for Euro 96. It was obviously we just, wanted. Just to say that um, the, the, the way the, the qualifying worked for us was there was eight groups. Um, England were obviously the hosts, plus the eight group winners, and then they took the sixth best yes. second place teams of the eight, and then the Netherlands had to play off against Republic of Ireland in a playoff for the final place. That's right. Uh, which the Netherlands won 2 0, um, unfortunately. <laughs> what stadium was that played yeah. at? I don't know. Uh, Anfield. Well done. Yeah. I'm working on that teed. It's a big video. <laughs> so we were one of the six best runners up. Um, obviously, we wanted, and in January '96, we got our wish. Um, we got England in the, the group, along with Holland and Switzerland. What do you remember about the build up as soon as that draw was made? Oh, everybody was looking at the England game, weren't they? Is this, I mean, we. we I came into kind of football just after the annual friendly, friendly, <laughs> the annual game against England had stopped because that last of us was in 89. So this was seven years later, this game was going to be. We hadn't played England since then. So for me, this was my first taste properly of Scotland versus England. And I was buzzing for it. I, yeah. I, I didn't remember it distinctly. I'm sure it was my oh. mum's birthday as well that day. <laughs> I think I was. I would have been in the uh, sixth year at school, actually just leaving. So you we were getting into the drink a wee bit. Um, so that was good for the tournament. Were you at more uh, enjoy it more with a drink? But I don't. The the games apart from England, I would have been drinking because I just watched them in the house when they were drinking in front of my my family at that point. But the England oh, games are a different story. It <laughs> <laughs> was a Saturday, well, I remember. Lovely sunny day. What about that tournament? Um, I remember and talk about how long ago it'd been since Scotland had played England. That um, you know, for us it always seemed to be a bigger game. Scotland v England, we always wanted to beat them. That was kind of how we measured ourselves by, especially beating them at Wembley. But um, I went to that game, and what I was England had reinvent England had reinvented themselves as football fans. You know, the hooligans had kind of gone. They're in a big happy mood with the footballs coming home, and it's quite. Uh, surreal to be at Wembley and to be in a wee tight bit kind of to the side of the back of the goals where before the whole and I was expecting still to see Scotland fans all in the stadium and there wasn't it was just England flags everywhere and there, you know, there was Scotland fans dotted about but not like in the past so you know England really did have the full backing of the country at that point and the manager helped as well Terry Venables was quite a likeable guy mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, some good players, and obviously that. Having said that, they did go into that game off the back of the Switzerland game. Well, did I? Well, they'd get the draw. <laughs> did I? They'd obviously get the draw. They'd maybe not impress the fans as much as what folk were hoping in the build-up. I think folk were thinking, "Oh, England are going to take a few goals off Switzerland." Switzerland were one of those hard-to-beat teams. Yeah. England still thought they were favourites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every other tournament. 
they did have a good side of England. They grew into yeah. the tournament definitely. They, they they should have beat Switzerland. I don't think um, as much as Switzerland were hard to beat. England won that game with that penalty because it was a stupid penalty to concede. But I think yeah. going into the tournament, Shearer had gone to like twelve games without a goal, and uh, I think before he was a bit worried about his place. And Terry Venables put the old arm around him and said, "Don't worry, you're my number one guy." And it, it paid off. I think I think England overall looking at that too were under a bit of criticism because as you mentioned, Shearer um, had gone 12 games at a goal, whatever it was. But they went on that trip to, to Asia, the pre-tournament trip to Asia and in Hong Kong for Gaza's birthday. They went o- mm. over the top with, with Jenkin and I think there was a... Um, on the way back, there was um, reports of instance in the plane as well. So they were getting hammered by the media. Scotland, on the other hand, came out to Alan McCoy's jokes, look, Scots in sober sensation because they were really sober. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like the, the dentist chair thing, wasn't it? Yeah. But they they they'd gone for a a, a warm up in was it North Thailand or Hong Kong or something like that? Something uh, bizarre. Because they played like Cathay Pacific or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bizarre. I think because I was watching a program recently and they were saying about how they all get got sharing them in gas coil and uh, were the kind of main instigators and she was trying to. Um, say he was a kind of quiet guy and he ended up getting his shirt ripped off and they were all just going for it and yeah Gaza was the, the bad influence into our calls for him to get pulled out the score at that point It was quite good though if you remember in the newspapers because all that was happening like you see people with ripped shirts and nightclubs and building up to the uh, the finals and if you're Scottish and that's your, the team that you're hoping to beat you know it's pretty good for us watching from the outside thinking brilliant that's their equivalent to us in 1978 in Argentina. <laughs> ah, you would think so, but then they do say that the, the best teams are the teams that drink together. Yeah. Drink together, yeah. win together. I think it probably created a kind of a, a good team spirit about them. They wanted to prove the media wrong, because you know what the media are like, and we get it with Scotland, but I think even more so, and we know yeah, because yeah. we hear it in every game, whether England are involved or not, there's all the talk about England and how good they are, how bad they are, depending on what day of the week it is. And yeah. Richard Goff yeah. said that about his Rangers team at the time because um, mm-hmm. about the culture Rangers had was that they, they, went, they won together, they drank together, that type of thing. Um, so we went in the game with Holland and despite the fact Jim Leighton played most of the qualifiers, um, Craig Brown dropped a bombshell and picked Andy Gorham on the back of what was arguably his best season um, at Rangers in the 95-96 season because um, he was outstanding. And he justified the goal because um, he kept a clean sheet with a couple of good saves. But the best save in that game was not by Gorham, it was by John Collins. It's John right. Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. Uh, uh, we got a real one in that game. That's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. admitted that. Ian, you were there, weren't you? I was there. It was all three, and I've got one of my tickets right here. I was looking at it out earlier on. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, it was brilliant. And the Holty stand were in, um, and the atmosphere was absolutely brilliant. And just obviously the expectation going down, um, just really, really exciting. Obviously, right on your doorstep down in England, um, absolutely fantastic, fantastic atmosphere in the stadium. I tell you, the Dutch, uh, Dutch support were they had a great support there, you know, um, you know, fantastic. But uh, yeah, we did well, and as that John Collins save was absolutely superb. And I think to get a, a nil-nil draw was yeah a really good result, and 
know, we're building us up for the next game. The big day at Wembley. Um, a great stadium, Aston Villas. I don't know if anyone's had the chance to go there, but, you know, it creates a great atmosphere. Um, yeah, really exciting and, yeah, fantastic. Bring back nostalgia now when we used to actually qualify. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably at that point as well, you get a result against Holland like that, you're thinking, oh, yeah, we might have a wee chance here getting through the group stage. Yeah, definitely. I'm know, definitely. Uh, being Scottish, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. But uh, I remember also really friendly, all the fans were really friendly with each other and things like that. You know, it was a great atmosphere before and after. You know, absolutely fantastic. And I know the, the Dutch and English don't go on too well, but it was absolutely a great, you know, great, you know, the atmosphere was just great. Um, so, yeah. So John Collins kept us in the game, so that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he joked at us um, that he, he knew you get away with one. But, um, so yeah, we're, we're getting into the England game in high spirits because um, England were obviously in the back of criticism from the draw with Switzerland. Um, we've picked up a good point against who we considered was going to be the, um, the toughest team in the group. Yeah. Um, and we really thought that we could get something at Wembley at the very least a point. Um, Scotch and Day, I remember being really excited about the game and it had been building up for months. Um, first half, when you think of it, we were probably slightly the better of the two sides, but there wasn't a lot of chances. It wasn't a great game um, from the first half. And then I think they made a tactical change at half-time, bringing on Jamie Redknapp, and it looked as though we were caught out a wee bit in the first 10 minutes, and obviously that's when they got their first goal. Uh, we we frustrated them in the first half, and, and, and did they get booed off at halftime? Did I imagine that? They did by the Scotland fans. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ch- I remember we changed. They weren't happy with their first half performance. We changed things tactically got into the game because we'd gone from a four four, well, a four three three to a three five two in that game. Yeah. To try and like, because England were playing three five two, I think at that time, weren't they? Didn't have And Anderton was one of the wing backs. I, I think, think they went with a mixture, uh, 4-4-2, 3-5-2. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we, I think we tried to count on what they were doing as opposed to maybe focus on what we'd done well against Holland in the first game. But, yeah, we were playing well the first half. Like We thought, oh, yeah, again, good chance of getting us out here. But, yeah. Mm, disappointment as usual. Yeah. I mean, I we, we, we did start it well. We see sure I got that goal. It was a bit of a huge blow, to be honest. That was a signal. A half time um, in the stadium was the first time I'd really heard because we'd, we'd be playing so well, and it looked like well, I was from a Scotland fan thinking we could win the game. And I, one of the things I remember that game was it was the first they, the, over the tannoy they played all these kind of songs like um, Tequila, One Step Beyond, and mm-hmm. the Scotland fans, although heavily outnumbered, just parted right through that fifteen minute spell like. <laughs> never parted before it was brilliant and then the fans all just stood there watching the entertainment for 15 minutes and then it just gave us I think we were, the fans and the team were up for it coming into the second half and it's just unfortunate obviously we all know how it worked out the second half but um, yeah we went far off it that day and then Jury had a header and I don't know what the score yeah. was when he had a header that was so close to going in that must yeah. have been that was the second half as well wasn't it I can't remember but it was, it was the second half it was it it was at 1-0 and Seaman makes a good save. Um, yeah, but we're, we're, we're on top of the game. Then we get then we get the penalty. It's a definite penalty. Um, yeah. Adam takes it a journey. Mm-hmm. And that, this, will always, this will always annoy me. 
Gary McAllister, before and after that penalty, was always such an accomplished penalty taker. You could ever penalty yeah. took in big games. Mm-hmm. It was always right into the corner, high in the corner, low in the corner. We also talked about your United 2 But even when he scored for Liverpool against uh, Barcelona five years later, it was you know perfectly placed. And I was so confident he, would, he was going to score. But he changed his tactic that day, decided to blast it. And, well, we know what happened. And I'll never know. I mean, did he lose his nerve? Only Gary McAllister can answer that. Um, but I think so. I think he bought it. Well, that was the whole, that was the whole stupidity of uh, Yuri Geller thing that uh, he'd made the ball move, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I think the, the shame is for McAllister after that game is the Scotland fans did kind of turn, turn against him a bit. Because I remember yeah, going to games, right. home games and stuff like that afterwards after that campaign and he would get booed and stuff like that. And it was not yeah, terrible. Because McAllister was such a good player. Like McAllister was playing at a right top level. Um, arguably yeah. maybe our best player at the time, I think. One off, definitely. I would say. Oh, he was, um, he was always solid for Scotland, apart from this one moment, and this sadly is the one moment he gets remembered for. Yeah, and you're saying, John, that he, he was always a good penalty record and all that, but I remember there was a lot of calls that he shouldn't have hit the penalty, it should have been McCoy's for some reason, yeah. even though McCoy's had such a good record. Um, but yeah, the more disappointing thing is the I fact McCoy's, that... Yeah, I think McCoy's was one to take it, he'd come on, didn't he? And then I think he was mm-hmm. one to take the penalty, and then McAllister, but McAllister scored against CIS, as we were talking about earlier on, in the penalty, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, as John was saying, yeah, always very cool coming up to take penalties. So absolute sickener that he missed that because what a chance that was. He's a captain as well, so he's taking responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Ah, he came out at the end of the game. He was in front of the cameras at the end of the game, saying, "I don't offer any excuses. Um, I'm sorry." So no fair play to him for being, you know, the captain to face the media after the game to to do all that. When people say it was made for request, etc. There's no guarantee Alan McCoy's with the score either. I remember yeah. he missed a penalty against Switzerland a qualifier a few years yeah. earlier. So, mm-hmm. it happens. I mean, look, the better badge missed a penalty in the World Cup. These things happen. Yeah. It's just sickness. That is as well. Seaman goes on to save penalties later on in that tournament as well against Spain. Well, one mm-hmm. save from Nadal. So, Seaman was yeah. actually not bad at penalty, um, against penalties. Mm-hmm. But the bit about you were saying about McAllister getting booed after that, I thought it was terrible. Um, it was awful. And I think, was it again at Celtic Park? Yeah. When this, this, yeah, Probably. it was there, and it was particularly loud that night, and every time he touched the ball, I mean, ah, it's horrendous. One of your own players getting booed. Um, yeah, that was yeah, that was pretty terrible. Cause you can't blame yeah. him. As you say, people miss penalties. It wasn't the best penalty. It was a bit annoying, but <clears throat> certainly can't. That's just the way it goes. That's, that's when it... That's one of my pet hates about football fans who, that, um, that turn on their own player, booing your own player. There's just no excuse for it at all. No, whilst they're wearing the colour jersey of the team that you're supporting, you, sh- you, know, you just don't boo them. Unless yeah, they've given the fingers on the pitch. That's a different matter. But, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've seen it before. Where players have come on and are not favourites or they've taken off someone who's been playing who the fans don't want off and they're booing the new player coming on. You think... How can you boo your, one of your own players coming on to play for your, the team you're supporting? You know? Chris Martin. Remember? Yeah, exactly. And then he scored yep. against Slovenia that night. Yeah. Uh, he won the yeah, we've done it a few times, which is bad. Like, much as whether you might dislike players as maybe a club player and stuff like that, I think the situation, I'm obviously no uh, any Rangers fan or really a lighter players than are playing for the Rangers, but when they play for Scotland, it doesn't matter, they're Scottish. 
We support the team. I've never understood that. I don't ever understand booing opposition players because I think you boo opposition players and anything like that, I think you get a reaction right. of, of players. What's the point? I, I always think, sing support for your own team. Get yeah. behind your own team. Who cares about our team? Let them bother with themselves. Um, aye. One of the goals of the tournament, unfortunately, the way the second one with Gaza. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, right, that just compounded the problem for McAllister because it was almost immediately after that penalty. Mm-hmm. Right. If he scores that, I think. Say, yeah. We probably got a point at least. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, but the thing would be as well, the home end would have been worried. They'd have been stuck. The last would have been nothing so. knitting buttons at that point if we score. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. There's not a lot left when he does it, though, because there's about 12, 13 minutes or something to go when we get that penalty. It's not long to hold out. It would have felt long. <laughs> yeah. But aye, then, then, then we get going with the tournament. Um, and <laughs> as much as you're saying... Definitely. Sukas against... It should have been if it wasn't. I thought maybe Sukas or Poborski. Poborski against Portugal as well is pretty good. For me, goals that have been For me, goals that have scored at European Championships. Number one, Marco Van Basten in '88. Number two, Paul Gascoigne against us in '96. For the quality of goals, he, this, I, I know the goals you're talking about in this tournament, but for me to get the the, the Gascoigne ones is by far the way the most superior one in this tournament. It's a, it's, the skill involved yeah. in that is yeah. immense, and. I mean, this is coming from a Scotland fan and a Celtic fan. It was a Rangers player playing for England. I'm saying that. And it was still, even at the time, was, I, I, I wouldn't say I stood up and applauded that, but you appreciated the skill that was involved to score it, even though it just broke your heart. And then yeah, there's that a was the celebration. Uh, that was a good celebration. Yeah. That was, was the second good um, Paul Gasson goal that he scored against the team. I thought, because he scored uh, a great goal for Rangers against Aberdeen that clinched eight in a row that year. Then he does it again a month later. Um, but you know, we also talk about um, talked about football's coming home and the, the three line song. That was probably the day when that song properly kicked in. Um, yeah, because it's like proper game. chant. Yeah, it was a good tune. It was. It still was a good. Tune. It's no world in motion, but it's a good tune, <laughs> and it works better in terraces than world in motion does, or not? Yeah. But we still had a chance to go through. We, we almost did. We did without goal difference again. I think we got beaten goal, went down to goal yeah. difference, didn't we? Yeah. We goals. were through at one point. We were. Well, yeah. what I should... Because McCoy's finally got to start. <laughs> what, what I should point out about, um, you know, before game into the game, the permutations were that we had to win 3-0 and we needed a favour from England beat them against Holland it's just a win they'll win if it had been 3 miles 1-0 England then we would then that would have been us through um, so we go into this game doing the unthinkable um, wanting England to win so <laughs> England to be fair go above the call of duty by winning 4-1 and they were also 4-0 up so it's so easy to yeah. blame David Seaman and all the rest of it the fact of the matter is England did more than their job for uh, for us yeah but we could only score one goal. A great goal by Alan McCoy after he'd missed two setters earlier in the game. Then scores mm-hmm. the hardest chance for it outside the box. But Good goal. Just wasn't to be. Yeah, so and 
for the, the last 24 years, I have basically mumped and moaned about David Seaman letting that bloody ball go through his legs. Yeah. I, that's the easy way out. But at the time, when that, these games were happening, I was almost screaming at the telly for us to get more goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we could have sat back in our league, didn't we? Aye, we sat on it. That's what yeah. it felt. We just, we looked like we were happy with the 1-0, which was a ridiculous way to go about it. And, I mean, that, for me, I feel bad criticising Craig Brown for getting us to tournaments these days, but when we got to these tournaments, we had a nasty habit of not taking the game to our opponents. We mentioned that four years previous to this year in 92, we took the game to Holland and they beat us 1-0. And this one, we sat back against Holland and we earned a 0-0. Yeah. Now, Arguably, the 0-0 was the better result, but actually, you feel like the performance was a lot better against the Dutch in 92 than it was in 96. We got lucky in 96 with a handball. Um, but it continued. On, the Switzerland game was the one that annoyed me the most because, as I said, this is the first time McCoy got to start because um, he'd, he'd come on against England. He hadn't featured against the Dutch. Um, and I'd kind of been calling for that because McCoy was the, the, the top striker in Scotland at the time. Um, so yeah. it was, I thought it was bizarre that he, he, he didn't feature much in this tournament and then two years later he doesn't even make it to France 98 unless you carry his tele programme with Fred McCauley <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, think I, I don't know what it was with that blind spot with Alan McCoy's but that, that was what I was always calling for but as you rightly point out McCoy's missed a couple of settles in this game as well um, and if he scores either of those we're through yeah I think the thing with Craig Brown is in terms of strikers he always wanted strikers with a good work rate whereas like if you've got a natural goal scorer put the natural goal scorer in your team Mm-hmm. And so, Judy, I mean, we've been guilty of that for years. When, like Chris Boyd and later on and stuff like that. We've had other guys play a striker that scores goals as opposed to these guys that work right as a striker. Yeah. Teams kill for a number nine that scores whatever it is, 20 odd goals. If it's a tournament, maybe four or five goals. I mean, Craig Brown tended to play Gordon Jury in these games and Jury was at Rangers at the time playing alongside McCoyst <laughs> John Spencer John Spencer as well he tended to play Spencer and Jury um, Scott Booth played at times Scott Booth had a good campaign and, uh, but I Jury always worked hard McCoyst always got goals and for me McCoyst has been on that team and I think that was the problem but McCoyst and Jury was in this, game, in this game and we only got one goal yeah, one. And, and one. McCoy's came off in the end, but it was in the 84th minute for Spencer. Yeah, one one thing looking back at that's the squad we had as well at that turn. We never had any wingers in the squad. No, no natural wins at all. That's why we played three five two or five three two. Um, I think we went back to four four two in that the game against Switzerland in the last game. Yeah, yeah, but, but we even then like, you were talking about Collins and Burley. Yeah, both of them are more central. Yeah, so. That, that's maybe why you're not creating that many chances as well. Mm-hmm. Need worth. Um, McCoy was, um, was saying it was ironic because um, when he scored the goal, we ran straight to Craig Brown. I saw an interview with him afterwards. He said, I can't understand why I did that. He's a guy who wouldn't play me and I'm rushing to him to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> He's a likeable guy, Craig Brown, though, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he did well. But, I mean, in that... Uh, that game, I was at that game again in the Holty stand, and the Scotland fans. You're right. I can't remember them ever cheering when England was scoring different in a different game but for four times. And see when they got to that four 0 and I think it was in the sixty second minute or something like that, we were through, and Scotland mm-hmm. fans were going, and, we're, and obviously we were leading one 0 and I was just going, "This is absolutely brilliant for once in their life. It's working in their favour. I can't believe it." People are jumping about, hugging, then the news comes through, seventy eighth minute. Uh, Netherlands score 
And then afterwards, when you see the goal, you think, oh my God, that's just typical Scottish luck. Yeah. It was for 16 minutes, we were qualifying there, and it was a great feeling. Dave Seaman has a bright smile about it when you, when you ask him about it. He says, yeah. I, I, I let it in. But it, it, the first, uh, professor, I don't believe he did. I don't believe he did. I don't believe for a second he let that in. I believe um, for a second that he now laughs about the fact that he yeah. could have let it in. Yeah. Um, and it's become a funny anecdote these days. But it was the double-edged sword with that because it was the fact that we went out but then you also thought as a Scotland fan, oh shit, England are pretty good. They might go and win this tournament. Because they, they were playing, playing some good football. They were playing some really good football. Because that result meant they topped the group, it meant they now had a run to the final all the way uh, at Wembley, yeah. which yeah, is exactly right. how they won the World Cup in '66. They just played all the games at Wembley. Yeah, yeah. So that was my fear at the time because that was like thirty years on, obviously. Yeah, and so they, they had, had the momentum. momentum. Yeah, they had the momentum by this point as well because when you started this group, this this group with that disappointing draw against the Swiss, they beat us. That kick started that the thumping in the Netherlands was phenomenal. Yeah. It's obviously, I mean, it's arguably the, the, the best result they had in the tournament. Because um, fans will say that's the best, play, best they played ever in a tournament, that game. Very, aye, very probable. Never. Because they went on for that to play Spain in the quarterfinals. Uh-huh. Um, and that kind of took a bit of the momentum out, I think, because it wasn't the greatest of games, that. But then they went to penalties, and they won in penalties, which England famously didn't really do much. They got... They got lucky a wee bit in that game because Spain had at least one perfectly good goal disallowed for offside. Mm-hmm. I think it was yeah. like Salinas that put them on the net. That was a mile onside and even Trevor Brookin at the time was saying, I think we've got a wee one here. We should point out as well, we forgot to mention at the start, um, this was the first of the expanded 16 teams European Championships. Yeah. So this is what, I mean, Euro, Euro 88 for me was when it first, like, I don't remember the Euro 88, but that's when it first started um, European Championship becoming big then you're next to touch on a wee bit more but I think this is when it really properly grew again was um, obviously the 16 team tournament and so this meant that this was the first quarter finals and England get through um, on penalties which we don't see very often um, but Had they won a penalty shot before that? No to be I fair there's only been the one Yeah but at that uh, point yeah. but then they went on they lose a lot more. It just seems like they were always told I they're useless at penalties, but yeah, they did. And then again, they had that moment where Stuart Pearce scores a penalty, off, obviously after missing against Germany in World Cup 90, and you're thinking, again, yeah. this is not looking good. Because yeah. that gets the crowd even behind them more than such, and mm-hmm. you, you, aye, it was proper panicking. It's an iconic celebration, to be fair. Oh, aye, yeah. I think he almost kind of went, aye, fair play, like with Stuart Pearce. He's the type oh. of guy you'd want in your team. Aye. Yeah. Pierce, Aye. Pierce, a natural born winner. Kick your granny. For a man, yeah, for, for a man who six years earlier had missed a crucial penalty in a, a major tournament to step up and even take the penalty in the first place was yeah. uh, a measure of the man's character and it's a good penalty. <laughs> I know, so. yeah. I know, and he, he had been slaughtered for it, hadn't he, over all that time, so, yeah, good yeah. on him. Other highlights that tournament, Croatia? Yeah, the pizza adverts don't come to after this, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I started emerging kind of from this. I mean, obviously, like four years earlier, Yugoslavia got tossed out, and this was kind of the first chance that Croatia had to qualify. They went through to the, the quarterfinals. Um, the high point was probably two years later at the World Cup when they got to the, the semi finals um, when Narva missed it to the, the eventual winner of France. But aye, in, that, in this tournament, they were showing exactly what they were made of. 
They were unlucky against Germany. Ever. Yeah, they got a man sent off. It was Stimmats get sent off in that game and then there's a wee bit of luck about Sammer's winner as well and get the break of the ball but he finishes it well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a good first tournament for Croatia and also put them in building blocks for um, bigger things to come for them because they also went and done even better in uh, France 98 and cuffed Germany in that semi in that quarter final that year. Great strip as well, the tea, I love it. Mm-hmm. The Croatia top, I mean, iconic. <laughs> it's one of those tops that should just never <laughs> the change. The tablecloth top, I think they called it. <laughs> we had uh, Kevin, Harper, <laughs> Kevin Harper on the podcast before, he has a little foul, cross an Eki. Mm-hmm. As well, Boban, Sukar. Sukar was a great player. Terrific. Yeah. Really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. the emergence of Carl uh, Proboski. We talked talked about his goal. Proboski was brilliant in that tournament. I think he won yeah, the yeah. move to Man U in the back of that, didn't he? He, he did. did. Jordi Cruyff in Holland as well. Jordi one tournament wonder. Um, he was good in that tournament. But he was absolutely crap at Man United after that and yeah. didn't really have much career after that. That pressure of having to fall after his old man, mind you. Yeah. He was at Barcelona. That's where Man United yeah. were from. Was yeah. I think that was just because probably his dad was there and he was like, I get you through playing. You see a loads now, all these players like Zidane. I think all Zidane's three kids are at Real Madrid. No pressure. Yeah, that. Good yeah. Jo- uh, Ida Good Johnson that plays for Iceland, his kids there. See a lot of that now, like it seems to be uh, the trend. Uh, and then we look at this tournament actually, interesting enough, Italy. You've got Chiesa and his son now plays for Italy. And there's a and there's a couple others if you look through that tournament and there's sons that play nowadays at a good level. Oh, an interesting one um a bit um obviously Peter Schmeichel um was still playing for Denmark, I think being chipped by Suka. But because Denmark were obviously holders going into that. For the opening semis, I was watching the um, highlights of the England-Switzerland game a few weeks ago on ITV. But before the opening ceremony, they had two kids um, doing a handover of the, the trophy. And one of them was Casper Schmeichel. I think the other was Brian Laudrup's wee one. But Casper Schmeichel must have been about six or seven at the time. And then 20 years later, he's winning the Premier League with Leicester and playing the Euros himself with Denmark. But did he play with did Denmark qualify for year 2016 actually? I've said that. Oh. I know he's played in a World Cup two years ago. But yeah, I can't Schreichel. remember. I think Loudrup, I think one of the Loudrup sons went on to play professional football as well. Mad Loudrup. I don't know if that was the one that was on the pitch, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But the name <laughs> Denmark went out 2016, by the way. Yeah. But going back to you in the next six, um the I think the, the commentators um Nightmare was uh, Stefan Kuntz. He <laughs> was just a commentator's nightmare in the end. Yeah. Um, and then he scores against the semi-final. It's tight all these games. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny how tight good all these games are. It's a good tournament, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two of the quarter-finals went to extra time and penalties, and the other two were won by a single goal. Uh, both semi-finals went to penalties, and then uh, the final went to... Uh, the golden goal but it's funny because the golden goal rule was new in this tournament and although the tournament itself was won by golden goal um, by Oliver Bierhoff 
if you say to me golden goal, the first thing that comes to mind is the semi-final between England and Germany. And because that was the whole point of the golden goal was to make this exciting attacking football. And I don't think it was ever demonstrated better than that half an hour during the England-Germany semi-final. Yeah. Because that was two teams that wanted to win the golden goal. And it was because right. it tended to morph into we don't want to lose the golden goal. So yeah. people were getting a bit defensive and stuff. But in this game, it was phenomenal. It was a great game of football. Yeah, I remember the other one. I remember some really, really sorry. I remember some really close misses, and that was just how the game went, wasn't it? If you scored the next goal, you could just miss a sitter at one end, and then be out thirty seconds later, a minute later. You know, yeah. it was quite amazing. Maybe the emergence of counter more like a kind of counter attacking style of football in that tournament as well. Mm-hmm. With teams, but I think as a tournament on as well, you can have a. You were, you were wanting Czech Republic to win it because you were fed up with the bigger teams winning. You were like, come on, Czech Republic, let's go for it. Get up with the smaller nations winning it. But yet again, you end up with disappointment. It's, it's kind of funny because 20 years earlier, the Czech Republic, well, as they were Czechoslovakia back then, beat West Germany in the the, the final in the, this, this very tournament. Um, so to, to consider the Czech Republic as a small team, um, it's, it's kind of amusing in that kind of context. Given it was Germany and the Czech Republic played in the final, it's both both countries had changed slightly in twenty years. Um, Czech Republic was half as size it was, Germany was regained the East. But uh, I mean, for, there's a lot of abiding memories from this tournament. Um, <laughs> several of them have centered around Gaza um, because to this day. Every time I see that chance he has in golden goal um, against Germany, you still think he's going to get the end of it, and he doesn't. Yeah. You know he doesn't, but he's, he's, you can watch it, and he's, it's amazing how he doesn't do it. He didn't have that striker's instinct because he thinks Kopka's getting a touch to it. Whereas, like, if it had been the other way, because it was Shearer that hit the ball across goal, that's Gascoigne hitting the across goal, Shearer starting it in, because Shearer's got that oh. natural instinct. Gaza doesn't, um, unfortunately, for him, but um, that was. I think I think England were slightly unlucky in that semi-final. I think they were slightly better too. They certainly up in chances where we hit the post, um, and then they gave to penalties. And then oh, the Germans hit the post as well. Yeah, true. Did, did both teams hit the post in that that yeah, last really sort of minute. Yeah. Really close. It's exciting. Brilliant. They were generally good penalties. Most of them were good penalties. Yeah. And then steps up with a deciding one. Pure shot and just smashes it down the middle. More than his uh, Mick Jagger look. Yes, he's a good player. Really good player. I wonder, um, um, seeing these in these penalty shootouts nowadays with the VAR, how many of them would have gone ahead and stuff like that? So when you watch it, you know, when you think of the Scotland women's team and the, you know, they had that oh. penalty retake against them, you know, that shows hardly off the line at all. <laughs> and you look at all the other games, it's, that was, you know, that was that. I think I think the worst thing about all that um, with the Scotland women's one because I think the penalty was given on like the incident happened in like eighty six minutes, and then it was about mm-hmm. three or four minutes to review VR. Then they took the pen the first penalty. Yeah, the Alexander yeah. saves it, and then it's another couple of minutes to review that. Then they score the penalty in ninety four minutes, and the re- and the yeah, referee for full time twenty seconds later. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's terrible. It was a terrible shame. A terrible shame when you actually save a penalty and you have to. Get it taken against you, and if you take and if you move again, they potentially be sent off. You know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I know. I uh, John, you mentioned Czech Republic getting to the final. Um, 
they were unlucky in that final, but I think they had a better chance um, in 2004, personally. They, they should have won Euro 2004, but they came unstuck in the semi-final against uh, Greece. Because um, yeah. one Pavel Neves get injured, and then Greece just did what Greece did. That was a job where Milan Baris was super, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And Thomas was like, We've done a, a Euro 96 retrospect. I don't even fancy doing a Euro 2004 retrospect. That was a- I struggle. I struggled enough to like try and remember that stuff, and this was when Scotland were in the tournament. So uh, I think I struggle with ones that were no, no but I just don't think that we could give it a go. I'm sure. Was this the tournament where um, Purple Heather was a uh, was Scotland's song yes. for the tournament? Ninety six. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What was the uh, the song for ninety two? That's a very good question. I was just wondering nah, I, don't that was enough. I don't know that myself. Wait a minute, what was it? I forgot to look that up. Do you remember what, um, what the official song was for Euro 96 and who sang that? <sighs> the whole tournament, you mean? Uh, yeah. So it wasn't Three Lines? No, that was England. No, that that, that, I don't think that was even England's official song, was it? No. I'm not, I can't remember. But All right, okay, so... Don't ask questions if you don't know the answer yourself. We're in this together by Mick Hutnell. Or by Simply Red. Jeez, oh man. Really? What an awful song that was. Yeah. Remember, with Scotland's songs, they went from, um, well, I know it was an official one, we run the match with Ali's Army and we're going to win the World Cup, to to Delamitri, don't come home too soon. Come home too (laughs) soon. Started to get a perspective there. Now we can't even get there. So. You know, it's, it's ironic that, that there's a line in that song about uh, I hope for once you've not been on that stupid plane. Ah, but what we wouldn't give now to be on that stupid plane? Yeah, oh, I'm totally I mean, envious of like guys like yourself, Ian, that have been to tournaments and followed Scotland. I'd mm-hmm. love to do that. Same as I was saying, uh, you guys did the throwback on Thursday, last Thursday, but 2007, 2008. And Craig yeah. talk about going to the final with Rangers, you, Chris, going to Seville later on. Oh, um, I'd love to do that. I would Born too, too late, unfortunately, for 83. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I, the, the, the sad fact is I am still, um, I, I am not old enough to have been drinking while Scotland at a major tournament. I was 17 at 96, yeah. so I was going to, I looked too young at the pubs, but I do remember the England game. Nice sunny day, some of my mates' house, we had a good few beers. We used to work in a shop, I remember this as well, we also worked in a shop, and it sold beer. And he used to finish his shift, usually, and I would start after him. And for some reason, he would buy my beers, and I would buy his beers, as opposed to us just buying our own beers. <laughs> I don't know why we did that. Whether maybe he took my beers away from him, I don't know. Strange, anyway. <laughs> Miller genuine draft I remember being the drink of choice at that, that point yeah. but who would have predicted you know even just after we talk about 96 and then going up to 98 in the World Cup who would have predicted that the last time in the World Cup and the Euro Championships have not been this since it's hard to believe yeah. and this this should have been tonight is actually the eve of what should have been Euro 2020 because they should have been starting tomorrow Yes. Uh, or yeah, Friday yeah, is yeah. the time we record that, but obviously that's been delayed a year for, for obvious reasons, and we're still waiting a date in the playoff. Um, I just, yeah. I, I hope that you know, if I um, don't put it on until March, that 
at least it gives us to have the chance of having the fans at the game. Um, because yeah, because it really, it really caught the imagination. Yeah, it was a sellout and really caught the imagination of the crowds, the fans. So, see, oh, they're still going to call it Euro twenty twenty. I read earlier, but yeah. is there going to be enough time for the qualifiers for twenty twenty two to be played? I don't know. See, that's the thing, because the Nations League was supposed oh, to be starting um, in September. Um, but personally, I think they should just scrap that this year. Um, just just, that, right? It should probably scrap it anyway. Because there's going to be a lot of club football getting played. I mean, there's English Premier League starting back yeah. next week, which is going to end at the end of July. Then they'll be starting their season in August. And as we discussed um, last week, there's a possibility that Rangers could be playing the Europa League quarterfinal um, last 16 second leg against Leverkusen at the same time that they're playing their first qualifying round for next season's tournament. Yeah, and then domestically we've got the situation of Dubai, we've got this reconstruction again talks. The vote isn't going to be until the 26th of June or something like that. But we're saying yeah, the, new season's no, going to, no hurry, yeah. the new season's going to start the 1st of August. So basically clubs, there's some clubs that don't have an idea what league they're playing in. How can they budget for, already they're struggling financially. How can they budget for what league they're going to be in or who's to sign? They have to budget for the lower league and then hope they get into the top league so that they then yeah. suddenly have to try and find better players because they're playing at a higher standard. But potentially by the end, the, the players that you're maybe wanting to get are gone. I don't, know else. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll see a busy, I don't know how busy a, a market we'll see in terms of transfers anyway. Yeah. Um, We're really can't see much until things are clearer. I mean, I know for, for Aberdeen, we are fairly lucky in the fact that I think only maybe Danny Rogers is going to go away. I think the rest of them be all right in terms of contracts. Celtic have obviously like go over is it three or four players? Senior players? Squad players? I think the concern for Celtic is kind of trying to hang on to the players that they had last season, like so Fraser Forster and Alexander Edwards obviously get interest and because like Forster was alone that's done but he's been training this week with Celtic which is interesting there was t- I've seen talk that Forster's been linked by a top four club in England but it's obviously going to be surely as a backup keeper um, you would think so but we don't know but the, in- the incentive for Celtic players obviously is to stay and try and break a record mm-hmm. and we had David Robertson on the other night and he said he regrets leaving Rangers after nine in a row he wishes now he'd stayed because um, the Leeds move didn't quite work out so I think that's it. Probably, in a way, the, the pandemic's maybe helped in terms of keeping the likes of Edward because clubs aren't going to have as much money to spend as well. So yeah. Yeah. things like that might help. Got, uh, you've got yeah. to hope that this is the wake-up call football needs to you know, reshape its finances and um, players get a bit more realistic with wages, but we'll just need to wait and see. Because the thing is, we like the sky as well. Yeah, I mean, you look at A lot of people were already withdrawing their subscriptions. Um, even before the pandemic and then obviously they've withdrawn them even more since but Sky aren't they going to get as much money into play um, million, billions in English football they can't sustain that all, all the time because fans can't afford to just you know their priorities are different yeah, I, I don't know as many folk that have got Sky sports subscriptions nowadays I don't know but what also you can, can, can stream you, you can stream a lot of games nowadays anyway so picking, you know so I, th- I think the days of Sky and that are the huge money that they've thrown at English football. It's definitely, I can't see that continuing. And, you know, if you've got, you can watch virtually any game you want. Just go on, online and watch it. Mm-hmm. Aye, definitely. Aye. So it might make it more of an even playing field a wee bit because, you know, Scottish football, we've struggled because we've not 
even had the same money put into it by the broadcasting companies. Um, so I might even it out a wee bit more for the future. Still need a sponsor. I know. That's true. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. The next time Scotland, yeah. yeah. So Scott, so hopefully we'll be at the next Euros when they're happening um, next year. Because two of the games are going to be at Hamden as well. So we're not talking about getting a plane. We're just getting um, the bus, the car, or whatever, or the train down to Wembley. Um, So I know a lot. A lot of people have said, oh. Or, you know, in the past, I wouldn't like to go to a final in my own country because it's not the same as going away abroad and celebrating and partying. Oh, what I'd take to go to Hamden to watch Scotland in the finals. Oh, oh definitely, aye. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. Did you have tickets lined up, Ian, for the games? Yeah, yeah, I was good to the, the games coming up. So, uh, one of the games, the home game. Um, yeah. That was it. But um, hopefully, we'll still be on. We'll still be on a full Hamden. I hope yeah. it's not played. Yeah, I hope things get well. We just no one knows what's happening, but hopefully, at some point, we get back to normality, and that'd be really great. I think. I think this is the problem. Is is the unknown? It's just well, it's a fact of life right now. Because not it's the unknown. It's the big problem. But um, UEFA are uh, been very quiet recently. But I think the last thing we heard from UEFA was you um, to their domestic. You've got based until the twenty fifth of May to make the decision on your leagues. And we've had nothing since them. Since then, um, they wanted the Champions League qualifiers play. Um, Champions League in Europe we wrapped up by August. We've had nothing about when that's that, that's starting up. They said that the players were going to be September. Again, nothing. Just uh, I was supposed to go to the actual game too. Um, I, I'd actually get tickets for a pre-match event as well inside Hamden. Um, but who knows what will happen? Yeah, I think as well, the, the, the big issue as well is the fact that it's a logistical nightmare anyway in this tournament in terms of you could be flying here, there and everywhere to try and get the game. So. Yeah, for the next game. Yeah, you, know, you, know, you, don't, you don't even know what, what what's travel even going to look like next year. I mean, how long are these social distancing laws and restrictions going to be in place and different things like that? We'll all be there wearing saltire face masks. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to painted faces. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the games the games, see the games that are going ahead without fans. It will be interesting to see how how it goes. You know, so the teams with bigger fans, you know, usually get the, the benefit of that. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think in the Bundesliga they were talking like since the Bundesliga come back, the home advantage is basically gone. Most of the, the victories have been away away games, but they started piping in some fan noise. They're trying to make yeah. a bit of atmosphere. That's I'm going to get used to it now. Um, at first, people were saying, "Oh." It's not the same without the fans, but you just get used to it. Just watching yeah, I've not watched any yet. Um, well, so, but yeah. We're trying to find a happy note to end on, as opposed to all this doom and gloom, but it has been so crap at not getting to tournaments. So we so near, oh, What's that? We had a, well, I was going to say, well, a happy note is we potentially could have got to the next tournament, or we still might, so still we're not out yet. Yes. These, um, these playoff games have given us a very good chance. Mm-hmm. That's semi-positive. Yeah, definitely. Well, a, a positive hope for you Ian, is that um, you'll get another edition of the magazine out whenever. Yeah, well, everyone's been furloughed at the moment. <laughs> 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 furloughed and yeah. zero pay. Because everyone gets zero pay. Uh, yeah, that's it. We've got a lot of great contributions. John, you've contributed to it, so looking forward to putting that in. Um, yeah, 
just start working on that it's just because everything's kind of got stopped just yeah. everything went on on hold but yeah we'll get that out in the magazine you can look at it free online you can also buy a paper copy if you're still that way inclined so yeah we'll have to get that out and now football's coming back with something to aim for now you know at least club football's coming back and then hopefully we'll get the international game sorted out with Israel as well Ian, I thought you were going into a, a rendition of football's coming home, but <laughs> <laughs> is there much been going on recently? Then, or has it just been mainly kind of online articles getting prepared for the next magazine? Yeah, just online. Everything's online, and um, keeping the Facebook page going and having comments and things. And um, yeah, it's just kind of have to kickstart it again. We'll just aim towards the next. <clears throat> you know, all the now it's sort of. There's light at the end of the tunnel, albeit we don't know what's happening, but you know, the police is getting scheduled. Football's, football is nearly coming home, <laughs> yeah. nearly starting again, so we just start doing it again, yeah. Um, I was thinking about putting some blogs on and things like that on the website to try and just get around to doing these things, but um, yeah, getting blogs on to keep things ticking over in the meantime. Yeah. Um, try and get on it some of the players to like try and get interviews just now, or has it been... Yeah, well, I've just I've just kind of not been doing much at the moment, but um, yeah, I'll just just kickstart it all again and get moving. But I mean, you guys have done brilliant. What did you see? How many? What, what episodes this? Fifty-seven. I mean, that's amazing. So well done, you. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we've actually managed to find the podcast are running longer now since the football stopped and when the football was on. Because <laughs> 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 of the the guests and different things, so it's. It's been good. Gives that a freshness as well, I think. And we've been enjoying it as well. Getting the likes of yourself on and our guests. It's good. It's good, good. And like we've been reflecting tonight. So I mean, it's good just like watching some of the older games on telly and all that as well. Because you tend to kind of go to games and you come away and you remember the results. You see the goals and you kind of, you don't really get the chance to, well, I don't sit and watch a whole game. Um, you know, from yesteryear, and it's, yeah, I've really enjoyed watching all these old games and just the chat tonight about these games and '96, uh, and you know, bringing it back about all these games. So it's pretty good to kind of reflect as well, take a wee bit of time to look back and actually realise how many good players we've had over the years and how well we've done to actually qualify against played top teams. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, I think we've probably been hard on ourselves in the past that we've never actually got on and won the World Cup. <laughs> We thought we were going to win it in 1978. <laughs> ever, ever since then, we've been I think we've been underachieving. I think there are signs though that we can get back there. Um, just I think so. Been the amount of, time, the amount of times well. the most the most frustrating thing. But when you look at the likes of these players that are playing the, the Premiership um, yeah. in the Premier League, there's, there's good players there. I think there's hope. Just the, the frustrating thing is certain positions that we're still lacking in, yeah. um, and we've yeah. got that that strength and depth in certain positions that we don't have in others. Yeah, left back and things. But I think, um, well, I like to think Clark, yeah, he should, I'm hopeful that he can, you know, he's had time, he was kind of in very quickly when he had his first few games and things. So, you know, he's been in the job, albeit, you know, obviously there's no football just now, but he's been in the job. I'd like to think things will be a, a lot more settled now going forward. Yeah, keep our fingers crossed. He did, he did. And obviously, the minute you do hammer a team that you expected to beat then you've got the press on your back talked about the English press before but that's what the Scottish press are like that now as well yeah yeah. they're right on your back if you don't win and it's not that easy so yeah. it doesn't help the whole morale and sort of getting behind the team kind of thing but um, hopefully get a result against Israel and 
Yeah. Ironically, they yeah. take the time and um, might actually work out more in our favour because had the game went ahead in March, would have been without Scott McKenna, um, arguably our best defender. Um, would have been out without been without John Sutter, who's um, in and around the squad. Would have been out without John McGinn. Um, and I think Scott McTominay would have been touching goal. I know he's not necessarily regular. Um, but now you're looking at potential of those guys being fit. Billy Gilmore was starting to come into before at Chelsea. Um, so if he kicks on, he, he, there's another one that's in for contention. He's also starting playing again next week. Um, my only big worry was that Griffiths was was playing well at that. He was starting to really look good again. And then it's been stopped. So you just hope that you can get that back. And I just hope we get another striker through there as well to help him out because without Griffiths, there's no one up front that really you think, yeah, he's nailed on. I don't know. Have you been watching these goals just recently on on social media? You know, the anniversary of Lee's two free kicks? Yeah. See, the thing about that, I mean, for those, for that um, 30 seconds after the um, after the goal was also amazing, the second goal. Um, but I also said to my mate straight after it, they're going to equalise here. And that's exactly what happens. And that moment, that what happens a couple of minutes later takes away the memory, um, the, the good moment mm-hmm. the Griffiths free kick is a blip. Yeah, it was absolutely sick. It was yeah. sick. Yeah, the, the, my Facebook feed brought it up this morning, the two videos that I took, because I was I posted them up there. <laughs> that, oh, when, yeah. that moment when you have a good feeling about a free kick twice. So I managed to watch one <laughs> after the other, which was great. But then it always comes flooding back. The, the Stuart Armstrong uh, oh. option. Why did I just kick it? Oh, just, just get idea. Have you played a wee game on the BBC website recreating the Scotland goals? Yes, I enjoyed that. Good, no, isn't it? It's good fun. Yeah, I've not seen that. Nice, you should look up, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's got like Archie Gamers goal. Let's get McFadden's goal. Lee Griffiths, one of his free kicks, Furos. Good. Why not? And what is it? It's a, uh, you look it up and. Yeah, it's on the BBC website, so it's like we can, uh, it's almost like animated, and you need to like pick, you need to remember how the goals went. So it gives oh, you yeah. a couple choice options, it's good. A bit of a different type of quiz than normal. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I get, I get the, um, one of the parts of Archie Gamble's ones wrong, but I got the rest of them right. <laughs> I only remember what Archie Gamble did. Can't remember much about the built up. It's because you're too busy thinking of the train spotting scene. That's a film I've never seen. I must be the oh. only Scot that's never seen that film. I think you've maybe said that before. You need to watch it. Because mm-hmm. that seems iconic. Yeah, that is iconic. There's a lot I'm of iconic sure. scenes in that film, but that in particular is, is brilliant. I haven't seen the follow-up yet, but the original's crack, cracking. Yeah. Follow-up's pretty good as well. The follow-up's got some really great scenes in it. The bit with the Lodge is amazing. Well, uh, Aye. Oh, I definitely. But yeah, we'll get back to our tournament in our lifetime, won't we? Let's hope so. Uh, Let's hope for that tournament next year, as we say. Remember, uh, remember I'm older than you, so <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's in everybody's lifetime. Yeah, yeah the next tournament. Hopefully the next tournament. This gives the country a whole list. You know, every time we've kind of done half-decent, like when we beat France, then obviously we, blew, we kind of blow it against other teams like Pharaohs and things. But when we're doing well, it's so good when the whole country is right behind the team. It is a real good feel-good factor. It's just that it doesn't happen enough, that's the problem. 
Ian, Ian, just think, if we qualify for this next tournament, how big the magazine's going to be. You, you could retire after the sales of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the free online edition. We've <laughs> waiting since we started the magazine for us to qualify. It hasn't happened yet. Keep on thinking, next tournament, no, next do. tournament. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a few yeah. good moments, though. Paris was a good one. That was a great one. So, yeah. the 1-0. One, the you know, we've had some, some magical times. So, hopefully... Um, I mean, obviously, we can beat Israel. That's a, we can definitely do that. Mm-hmm. We can beat anyone really on a day, but it's just, you know. No worries about Israel. It's Norway and Serbia, I worry about. Yeah, Especially Norway, Harland. He's lightning just now. Let's hope that's famous. That's not famous last words at all. Let's not worry about Israel. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, I don't know what. Well, I did say, don't let, I don't think I said, let's not worry about us. I said, I think we could beat them or we should beat them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other games, I'm not so sure about but that. You never know. Right. Pulled off, we've pulled off results in the past, so there's always a hope. Mm-hmm. But we're coming. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to end, I think. So that was a good wrap-up of um, the two Euros that we were at, and let's hope that the third one is next year as it will be. Um, so thanks very much, guys. This was a, a great throwback Thursday, I think. Yeah, next year we'll be live from Hamden at the Euros. Mm-hmm. That'll be nice. <laughs> Are we going to get complimentary tickets? Huh? Should for promoting Scottish football during the lockdown. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that was good. I enjoyed talking about that. And I tell you, I want to go back and look at '92. Now I'm going to have to look more into that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, find out what the song was. '92. <laughs> so annoying. I can remember like, all the other ones. Um, Leo La, don't come home too soon. <laughs> Purple Heather. Clyde, the lions are roaring the sun. Clyde, the lions roar. Even go back to Easy Easy, 1974, 92, I don't know. Yeah, geez, remember ITV's um, theme tune song for Euro 92? I forgot to mention this, Emma. Um, you are the number one. How's it go? Sing it. <laughs> I'll send you the link on the, the <laughs> chats. <laughs> All right. <laughs> da, 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 da. That's the chip. You're hoping that get, gets edited out, aren't you? No. Well, leave it in. The mission is now 92. Maybe we never even had a song. I don't think we did. I think we're one of the best fans of the tournament. Got an award. We did. We were, we were yeah. kissing cops. How have we managed to get through this entire podcast and not mention the kissing of the police? Iconic, iconic picture. I remember going down to Wem. Remember going down to Wembley for the the game we're talking about the the two 0 game, and the, everybody was handing out wee cards. I think it must have come from the SFA, and I had that iconic picture of the guy kissing the policewoman, the attractive policewoman, and it was like behave on and off the field kind of thing. It was like a real turn into right big promotion about being well behaved, which we were obviously down in England yet again. I tried to do the same in Germany once where a rather attractive German female police officer, but it wasn't happening. <laughs> you tried anyway, that's the main thing. I think I got scared when I seen my guns as well. I was like, oh, okay. okay. That's a bit off putting. Yes, uh, that, that's a good way to end the night. Um, <laughs> trouble with the police. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so, well, 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 well,
You're now getting into the territory of what goes on tour, stays on tour. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, yes. Just for the WhatsApp group. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Man. Right. Cheers, guys. Alright, cheers. Okay, that was lovely speaking to you. Okay, look at you. Cheers. Right, cheers, bye.